I'm Roger Rosenblatt, and this is Word for Word. Essays in the Time of Trump Who brings the fires and floods? He does. He brings the fires and floods. How does he do that? He rattles the world, shakes it like a stick. That's how he does that. Is he mad? No. Is he a liar? Yes and no. He lies about everything but his intentions. About his intentions, he never lies. Is he evil? He elicits evil, appeals to evil. Is he a monster? He is a shepherd to monsters. He lets them loose out of the pen. And to would-be monsters, he gives permission to get off the fence. Go to it, he says. Seize the day. Seize the baseball bat. Is he available to improvement? He is impervious to improvement. Shame? No, he is complete, a complete construct, unmovable, ineducable. Are you sure he brings the fires and floods? How is that possible? He brings the fires and floods. Bulletin from Reuters One year ago, acting on a White House directive, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, went into the elementary schools of immigrant families at the end of the school day, waited for the parents to call for their children, and then grabbed them and deported them on the spot, whether or not they had committed any crime. Apart from ridding the country of immigrants at random, the directive had the dramatic effect of creating scenes in schoolyards where children saw their parents weeping and dragged away in handcuffs. Screaming and bursting into tears, the children were confused, terrified, helpless, and alone. No longer. In an effort to alleviate this situation, the administration has instituted KidWall, a new program in which the abandoned immigrant children will be conscripted to build the wall at the Mexican border that the White House unsuccessfully has been trying to construct for the past two years. Though they will not be paid for their work, each of the children will receive an official White House Certificate of Gratitude as soon as the wall is completed. KidWall will save the taxpayers billions, said Snowhard Eisenberg, the ICE director, and the kids will have fun as well as a sense of pride working together on a vital national project. He added, Since most of the kids are Mexican, the initial White House promise that Mexico will be responsible for the wall may be said to be fulfilled. Asked if he looked forward to getting to work, five-year-old Jorge Lopez of Staten Island said, "Si." Sí. Bulletin from the New York Times America died of poisoning yesterday, but the autopsy revealed nothing. We've never encountered a case like this before, said Chief Medical Examiner Quincy House. It was akin to those old movies in which a member of a family slips arsenic into another family member's food and keeps at it surreptitiously until the intended victim succumbs. Whatever seeped into the national bloodstream was flavorless and colorless. It was death without a trace, said Dr. House and as far as we can determine, without a motive. The thing that surprised the pathologist was that the country was completely healthy a couple of years ago. But at the outset of 2017, it began to show a variety of symptoms, ranging from a general weakening of the system to an unusually high number of aneurysms and strokes. The same country, composed of the same people as before, same demographics, became barely recognizable. Pale, Anxious, desperate, bellicose, raring to go at one another's throats, 
death was almost a relief. The killer remains at large, though suicide was not ruled out. Let's have a parable, shall we? In a distant kingdom in an ancient time, a king announced that he would give his daughter in marriage to the man who produced what all the people agreed was the most incredible thing. This is a Hans Christian Andersen story. As the competition got underway, a modest young man stepped forward. He had created a wondrous clock, with each of the hours represented by figures from the Bible and other items of folklore and common knowledge. At one o'clock, Moses was shown inscribing the first of the Ten Commandments. At two o'clock, there was Adam and Eve. At three, the three wise men. At four, the four seasons. At five, the five senses, and so forth. The modest young man presented his exquisite clock to the king, and the king was about to present the young man with his daughter. All the people in the court agreed that the clock was the most incredible thing. But just then, another man appeared on the scene, a vulgar brute with cold eyes and a smile like death. From his hand dangled a huge sledgehammer. Without a moment's hesitation, the brute strode up to the clock, and with a single blow of his hammer, he smashed the intricate work of art to dust. Gone. The biblical figures, gone. The seasons, gone. The senses, gone. The effect of this act on the king and the courtiers was dramatic and terrible. No one could believe his eyes. The king looked at the remains of the clock. Then slowly and sadly he took his daughter's hand and placed it in the hand of the brute. Sir, he told him, by your wanton destruction of something beautiful you have truly done the most incredible thing. The most incredible thing. Dear E.B. White, can you tell me when we should use the word troubling and when we should use the word inappropriate? For example, the forced separation of Mexican children from their parents at the border, some of the families never to be reunited again. Is that troubling or inappropriate? Or the death of a seven-year-old Guatemalan girl whose folks thought they were escaping certain death in Guatemala? Inappropriate? Troubling? The slaughters in Sandy Hook, in Parkland, no gun laws resulting. Inappropriate. Or the candidacy of a frat boy thug for the Supreme Court. Troubling. Inappropriate. Or the bullying of women in the workplace. Slap them around, threaten them, fire them, rape them. Inappropriate. Troubling. The English language is so slippery. Where are you when we need you, Mr. White? a flagrant racist elected to office in Mississippi, a Virginia governor in blackface, a pedophile senator skulking around the shopping malls in Alabama, everywhere crooks and cowards in power. Inappropriate? Troubling? I find it disturbing. This is the 200th anniversary of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein that may be said to have established the first true myth since the Greeks. Man creates man. Victor Frankenstein cobbles together a beautiful being out of body parts, mistreats his creation, and so the creation becomes hideous and murderous. He kills Dr. Frankenstein's fiance. He kills Dr. Frankenstein. At the end, the monster is alone, a soulless murderer talking all the time and equipped only for destruction. He is tall and imposing and is known for the quality of his hair. He disappears into the universe. 
I think I know where he went. But he, in fact, is not the only monster. The doctor is equally monstrous because he brings out the monster in the monster. Those who know the book make a point of saying the monster is not Dr. Frankenstein, but Dr. Frankenstein is the monster. Don't tell me. I know a monster when I see one. Spoiler alert. The season's finale of Black Mirror contains graphic scenes of child murders and child molestations, as well as new forms of indirect genocide to immigrant populations, plus a record number of episodes involving the stomping of women, open bigotry, race-baiting, mob rule, the terrorizing of gays, lesbians, bisexuals, and transsexuals, church, mosque, and synagogue shootings and bombings, murder by automobile in Charlottesville, suicidal stupidity as regards the environment, the deliberate neglect of the poor and the ill, also the murder cum dismembering of a Muslim-American journalist, and a rare viewing of a bone saw. If you don't want to know about any of these things at this time, look away from the screen and turn down the volume. Oh, we neglected to mention a steady, pervasive sadness in the world, like a ceaseless murmuring. That is also in the season's finale. You don't understand. It could all go. It could happen to us. In a jiffy, in a trice, lickety-split, it could all go. We all could go. With a snap of the fingers, in a booth at the diner, on a cross-town bus, looking as though we were dozing, but we're not dozing. Reading the TV schedule, reading the poetry of Marianne Moore, Marveling at the steam rising from cattle at a burly cloud, the spasms of parrots' heads, the static turbulence of the moon or the rose, examining a bolt of fabric. Like a bolt of lightning, we could go. Any day of the week and twice on Sundays. The head slumps to the chest like that of a seven-year-old Guatemalan girl. And we're gone. Poof. And all the interesting ideas and the funny stories and the inaccurate memories, especially of Disney World last spring, gone. And the opportunities, the moments of possibility, like figments of light in the crack of a closing door, gone, done, never to be retrieved. Do you know the meaning of never? Do you know anything? You don't understand, you stupid fuck. Let's everybody say I'm sorry. You first. I'm sorry. Now you. I'm sorry. Now you. I'm very sorry. Don't ham it up. A straightforward I'm sorry will do. You. I'm sorry. And you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. All together now. We're sorry. See here. A woman in Texas drowns her two children explaining they weren't loved. She drowns them in a river. Drowning children the world over. Children drowning the world over. See here. An Uber driver in Kalamazoo shoots and kills six people at random while driving passengers hither and yon in Kalamazoo. Asked why he did that, he explained, a job's a job. He has a gal in Kalamazoo, zoo, zoo. See here. See hair. Hair grinning is about to bear witness. Oscar Gruning, 94, is about to confess that, quote, the events at Auschwitz, the mass murders, were known to me, end quote. He claims, however, that he only served a few times on the selection ramp, where some Jews were chosen for the oven, some not. The rest of the time he worked in an office counting the money taken from the prisoners. 
Also the gold from the teeth. Though the price of gold fluctuates so frequently, it was difficult to pin down the amounts. Herr Gruning was a CPA, the accountant of Auschwitz, as he is now known, in whose who he is linked to his fellow war criminals, the baker of Belsen and the dermatologist of Dachau. What times do we live in when people are allowed no respite, stumbling and mumbling and dragging their refugee souls from pillar to post? Show me your papers. Your love returns with the animals to some crummy forest in Transylvania. You embrace and weep. Your papers! One hears only the tones of the snow falling, falling in Kivu, Denver, Istanbul. Sleep while you are still able to. Arrange your shoes side by side at the end of your bed. Spread your nightshirt on the cover lid. Fluff your my pillow. Hide your head under it against a billion unthinkable abominations. Before you doze off, the world will have come up with a billion more doozies. Count on it. See here. A border guard in Tijuana bangs his El Destructo cigar. It's Cuban. On the desk as he shouts, What is to be done? These papers are forged. Here's where the stream in the meadow first shines through the fog, then ices over, right here. He brings the fires and floods. And the world's house is underwater. The antimacassar is soaked through, the china canary drowned. Like a dragon, the risen creek pokes its head in every room, including the nursery. Water rises and rises. The recessed ceiling lights spark and fizzle like cancer. And the world's house is on fire. Orange fires in white rooms, a five-alarmer. Sleep if you can, and dream of a manic cassowary, fifty feet high, with twigs in its eyes and blood on its teeth. Its wings are a travesty, black and meaty. Its claws could pierce the iron of a cruise ship. Yet it will appear as a Chinese butterfly, as compared to the real stuff dreams are made of, that is, ourselves. Sleep if you can. I cannot. And he created Auschwitz. That cannot be. Auschwitz came and went before he was born. He created Auschwitz. The thing about Herr Grinning is that if someone at the top hadn't told him that, au fond, in his miserable little heart, he was not a mere accountant, but rather that he had the potential to become the accountant of Auschwitz, the grand exalted accountant of Auschwitz, with ribbons adorning his green visor and epaulets on his pocket calculator. Then Herr Grinning might have contentedly served as the CPA of the Bavarian Waterworks. He might have been merely a would-be monster. He might have married and reared a family of future CPAs and played checkers on the Checkerstrasse, enjoyed a little too much schnapps at Oktoberfest, pinched the malleable bottom of Elsa Schweinhund, and died at the age of ninety-four, a great-grandfather to a dozen contented CPAs. But the one at the top, working through minions down the line, of course, told Herr Grunning he had more in him than simple CPA-hood. He was capable of rising in the ranks. The one at the top detected a mischievous, ambitious imp inside Herr Grunning that said to him, Oscar, you are destined to be the accountant of Auschwitz. What do you make of that? And Herr Grinning, stupid and susceptible, said to himself, Why not? He wasn't born an accomplice to murder, but the one at the top saw greatness in him. He was promoted. A woman sits weeping on a bench in the village square. I observe her from across the street. 
Her head is held high as if she is looking for someone or for something, yet she weeps. The effect is curious. Usually people weep with their heads in their hands. They want to hide their weeping from the world, either out of shame or embarrassment or a sense of privacy. But this woman, in her twenties, slight, with a mass of red hair, wearing an old-fashioned light green gingham dress, she announces her tears to everyone who passes by. She publishes her sorrow. She looks around as if surveying the country, the entire country, and her tears increase to a point where passers-by grow alarmed for her. I start to go to her to console her. She sees me and gives a don't-bother wave and a shrug, as if to say, this is what I do. I weep. Medical Questionnaire Please indicate any current ailments or symptoms. Weeping? Check. Depression? Check. Sorrow? Check. Fever? Check. Chills? Check. Anxiety? Check. Heebie-jeebies? Check. Mood swings? Check. Rage? Check. Frustration? Check. Confusion? Check. Agita? Check. The shakes? Check. The willies? Check. The blues? Check. The blahs? Check. The sweats? Check. Feelings of helplessness, check. Churnings in the pit of your stomach, check. Ringing in the ears, check. Feeling stunned, check. Amorphous fears, check. Fear of war, check. Fear of peace, check. Fear of the front door, check. Fear of fear itself, check, check. Him, check, check, check. MAGA, make America great again. MAWA, make America white again. MASA, Make America straight again. Mama, make America male again. Maka, make America Christian again. Maya, make America isolated again. Mafa, make America fearful again. Mala, make America lost again. Mana, make America numb again. Mapa, make America please again. If you ask me, I know you wouldn't ask me. Nobody would ask me. But if you were to ask me, I'd say the trouble with the world, the essential pervasive trouble, with America especially, is that we don't know what we want. Not knowing what one wants is fairly harmless among Eskimos, tribes in New Guinea, the citizens of Liechtenstein, a nest of hamsters, or any relatively powerless group with calm, decelerated lives. The Aborigines have lived centuries successfully and happily, not knowing what they want, and basically not wanting anything, collectively, as a people. Individually, one Aborigine may want a new canoe, another a new Bugatti, but that's about as far as it goes. When it comes to big, busy, brassy, last great hope on earth America, however, not knowing what you want becomes dangerous, potentially lethal. Here we are on the brink of the antipodal choice of manufacturing a race of Frankenstein monsters or blowing each other into the stars, and we don't know what we want. Know what often happens when you don't know what you want? I mean, if you ask me. You get what you don't want. 